0: tail Talk, a podcast dedicated to everything related to the sport we all love, hydroplane racing. I'm your host, David Newton, and it's time once again, so sit back, relax, and welcome to RoosterTale Talk. It is July 4th, 2023, and this is episode 104, our mid-season check-in. Well, happy 4th of July, everyone out there. Hope you're enjoying today. Hope you got the day off and join it with friends and family. And hopefully you're celebrating this amazing country on this holiday by blowing up a small part of it. (laughs) Anyways, uh, this is episode 104, our mid-season check-in. Short season this year, only four races. We're two down, two to go in our month of racing for the year. We're going to talk a little bit about the first two races, some highlights, some lowlights, and what we can expect in the next two races, uh, later this month in July and early August. Well, race fans, you were treated with some some great action on the water and some great streaming. Uh, i got to say the streaming has been fantastic this year. They keep stepping up their game with that, and that's one of the highlights each one has going on right now. But let's talk about the first race over in Gunnersville, Two-and-a-half-mile race course. They widened it quite a bit, over 1,200 feet wide, so the drivers were really able to get on it during qualifying and during racing, and the speeds really showed on the water. The U40 turned a lot of heads over there. They were not only a top qualifier, they were able to break that 170-mile-an-hour mark, that magical number, that not many drivers have done that before. Uh, first time it happened was 1993 in Detroit with Mark Tate and the U10 Winston Eagle. They hit just a tick over 170, 170.087 miles per hour. Uh, Chip Hanauer and Dave Willock, the only two other drivers to do this. Uh, Dustin Eccles has his name in the record books now. He was able to do 171.294 miles per hour. That is extremely fast. Just crazy to think about how they're able to do that with the restrictions on the turbines. They had some restrictions back in 93 and in previous years, but not like they have today. Uh, H1, really trying to s- preserve equipment, uh, and rightfully so, uh, should be doing this because there's not many of those engines out there and parts out there. So really trying to keep boats, um, you know, in- in- intact and-, and keep those uh engines intact, uh, which they a lot of parts you can't get anymore. So awesome to see that. That was so fast. Uh, a team that's really just struggled this year and last year with a lot of things, um, <laughs> uh, keeping things together. So it was awesome to see them have that victory of breaking that 170-mile-an-hour mark, um, which not many have done before. Eight boats joined the field, uh, seven which raced. Uh, the U-440, the uh, Boitano Holmes, was not able to get on the water um, and race there. They had some gearbox problems. They had a withdrawal. Um, but really, for, for Gunnersville. I think that fast, fast course, that was the highlight of the weekend, seeing those fast times and seeing drivers air it out on the race course. Unfortunately, in the final heat, the U91 did flip at the start of the race. Some speculation, did he lose his lane? Did he slide out? Regardless, he was back, and he didn't have much room. He went, rode up the Richter tail of Corey Peabody in the U9, Beacon Plumbing, and went end over end. And unfortunately, laid right in the path of the bucket list racing. The bucket list racing uh, went right over the back of them, broke off uh, the rudder, did damage to uh, the transom and the rear shoe of the of the U91, and did damage to the bucket list racing as well. It broke off a little piece, or uh, broke off a decent-sized chunk of the sponson tip, um, did some damage to the skiffin area, uh, and... Uh, they Once again, the U40 was not able to get out of the race weekend without some sort of damage. Um, but, and unfortunately with that race, we're, they were not able to run a restart of that final heat. They had to call it due to weather. They gave the win based off points to Corey Peabody, in the U9, with a beacon plumbing. So our first winner of the, of the season is Corey Peabody, in the U9, with their... Very fast craft as well. They that team did a lot of extensive uh, rebuild to that boat after they flipped last year. That U8 and U9 look identical, other than paint, but very two very fast boats on the water. Moving over to to Madison, unfortunately, 91 could not be fixed in time. They did not join the field. Uh, Cooper's Express or the Go3 Racing did not make it either. They went back home to Evansville. So a five boat field because the 440 couldn't make it either for the gearbox problems. They were back in their base camp uh, over here in the Seattle area. So five boats made it to Madison, and it was really anyone's race. Limited number of boats, so they ran a round-robin-style heat event where four boats ran at a time in five different heats, so everyone ran four times before the finals. One thing I want to say right now, you couldn't really determine who was going to win I can't remember if it was the first or second heat. The the U eleven Legend Yacht, the hell's name, uh, the U eleven Legend Yacht transport came away with an early victory. Um, they saw four different heat winners in those five heats. So really, it, it was you didn't know who was going to win uh, in that final heat. Really close racing. The qualifying speeds were really close together, uh, just a few miles an hour apart. And just the parity there was awesome to see. Uh, Very unfortunate there's only five boats there. Would love to have had double digits. But at least with those five, we had five quality race boats. Any one of which could have won that race. Starting in the final heat, the U9 had to pull out. They broke a gear shaft and they were out for the weekend. Down to four-boat field, we had the U11 Legend Yacht Transport, U8 Beacon Electric, U9 Beacon Plumbing, and the U40 bucket list racing. The bucket list racing, only one not to win a heat, looked like an odds-on favorite possibly to win. Unfortunately, early on in the final heat, they did an 360 flip, landed right side up, and thankfully Dustin was okay, uh, as well as Andrew Tate. I forgot to mention he was, he was okay in that earlier uh, race in Gunnersville. Just unfortunate to see these boats flip and crash like that, but just thankful the drivers are safe. That's our first and foremost concern. Unfortunately, they broke, were out of that, that race, and weather once again took its toll on the race. They were not able to run a restart of that final heat down to three boats. They declared the victor off of points, and the winner went to the U-8 Beacon Electric with J. Michael Kelly at the wheel. Two races down with two different winners. Unfortunately, we did not see a final heat run to the full extent, so they were based off of points. Bigs the question, would they have won? Heads up. Would there have been a different winner? We don't know, but hopefully we'll be able to know on the West Coast. Two more races to go. I'm hoping that we'll be able to see final heats for both of those and see the driver's duke it out on the race course for the victories. It's They definitely could have won. I'm not saying anything against them. They both had race victories. They both had excellent crafts. So you can't truly know, right? So, with these two races down, what do we know so far? I would say one thing that's really been consistent so far, other than the weather being terrible <laughs> parts of the weekend, has been the parity in the sport. We've been talking about this in recent years. Parity is here. Yes, the boat number is down. The count is down. But the parity is in the sport. We've had five different heat winners so far in any heat. That, and really, any boat could have won. This could have been six. I'm surprised that we didn't see the, the 40 win. I thought they were going to get a heat victory there. Um, the the Go 3 racing uh, technically did have a win as well, but they got disqualified for the dropping below uh, 80 miles an hour before the start for too long. So we could have had six or seven different heat winners so far this year. Um, but So it's just the parity is there. It's hard to predict who was going to win. So that makes it more exciting as we head into the Tri-Cities in Seattle for the Gold Cup. Who will win these races? Will we have some repeat victories uh, from J. Michael Kelly and Corey Peabody in Strong Racing? Or are we going to see someone else win? Odds? You can't go with odds. We don't know. That's that's going to make it so much more fun. And i got to say, the hero so far hasn't really been one particular boat or team on the water, but it has to be the drones. The drones footage has just evolved so much for this sport. It's really great to see all those different angles and vantage points that you normally wouldn't see. Um, Back when, I would say probably back in the ESPN heyday in the 90s, we had some great shots from helicopters, from the shorelines, but it has nothing on these drone shots. They have some aerial footage that's low to the ground, to the water. It's over the boats. You can see them coming underneath the drones. Some of the things that they're doing now really makes me think of how television has evolved for football. You think about how different cameras, angles they're using now. They have different cameras that are not drones, but they're held up by wires above above the field so they can get in on the action. You can see the, them close up on huddles and before the play breaks. And this is really evolving the sport, and it's just nothing but beneficial for H1 Unlimited. I love seeing these shots. There's different vantage points that we wouldn't be able to see from the shoreline. And really brings such a quality product to the streaming services, which is what H1 needs. So my hero for for H1 Unlimited this this season so far has to be the drones. And it's not just the technology there. There's people behind it that really make this an art form, getting those shots and getting those vantage points. It's really been helpful, I know, for the refereeing. Uh, to make those calls, but just as a fan, seeing those shots, some of the angles that they're doing, some of the different vantage points, they're trying to shift it around, try different things out there, and I'm noticing it. It's I love it. So, hope we can get more of that in Tri-Cities and Seattle. I know they have a lot to go through uh, in Tri-Cities and Seattle, being near airports with the FAA, but it'll be awesome to see what they can get done uh, with those aerial footage shots. But, you know, the heartbreak of the season so far has to be the U40 bucket list racing. Just as you see them make leaps and bounds forward with their speeds, the boat's riding so well, things are clicking, they just can't catch a break. Last season, they hit a log in Madison and broke the transom out. They flipped in Tri-Cities. They broke all kinds of parts. didn't seem like they could get away from any weekend without making some sort of damage and having to do some thrash and and repairs in the shop. And once again, it's just hardship for them. And my heart just goes out to that team because it's such a great team. They've done so so many great things for the sport, um, making propellers and just so much talent that's in that crew. And it's just so sad to see uh, the heartbreak that they're going through. Unfortunate accident in Gunnersville. Nothing Dustin could have done running over the back of Andrew Tate's upside down, Goodman Real Estate, and then um, going through that 360 flip in Madison. Uh, this is the day before I'm talking about this. Now they haven't, the team hasn't released the extent of the damages, but you got looking through that film footage. It makes me think back to '88 when the circus circus did the 360 flip, and then thinking about uh, the Wiggins boat in Seattle when they ran as Alberto a few years ago when they did a 360. From the shoreline, oh, the 360 landed upright, looks fine. But think about it. That's 6,000-plus pounds going through the air and slamming down uh, almost 200 miles an hour. It's a lot of force and momentum uh, being abruptly stopped, right? When you watch that footage, it hits transom first pretty hard, and it slams down on the front. So there's got to be some cracked frames, uh, some, an extensive possibly a sense of internal damage. Hope the best for them. Hopefully it's not as bad as it could be. And I'm hoping that we'll see them in Tri-Cities or Seattle and get catch a break. They need a break. Yep. There's, if any team out there needs a break, that's a team. But hopefully they can just end on a po- more positive note for this last half of the season. All right, fans, have you checked your deck-to-decks results? Hope you listened to episode 103, where we talked to Hydro Dan, and we talked about Deck to Deck, that fantasy Hydroplane League. Hopefully you signed up for it and got your picks in in time. Um, Once again, I'm not doing very good. I think I'm down the list, number 13 or so on my group. Um, I had some promising picks, but you know, you never know how it's going to go on race day. So in the Rooster Tail Talk League on Deck to Deck, right now we've got Craig Melody in first place with 3,467 points. Uh, Lucas Sofia Racing's in second with three thousand four hundred and thirty, and then in third place with also three hundred or three thousand four hundred and thirty is Mike Ward. So hopefully you're doing better than I am. I'm not going to say how many points I have. I just made some lame picks, I guess. Um, but it's a it's a fun way to keep keep up to date with the Hydro League and H1 Unlimited as the season progresses. And talking about the points, let's take a look, after two races, who was in the lead for high points. In first place, with a very slim lead, it's not its not much of a lead at all. By one point, they're in the lead right now. U11, Legend Yacht Transport, uh, 2,315 points. Great to see them uh, in the lead for high points championships. If they can continue their, their strategy of, of getting uh, finishes, finishing strong, up in the first few spots, they could they could pull this out at the end of the year. I believe they've finished every heat. They've had a couple penalties all, along the way, but great strategy they've had so far. Uh, great team with Scott and Shannon Rainey as owners. So love to see them continue to have some more success this year. Uh, in second place is U8 Beacon Electric. J. Michael Kelly at the wheel, 2,314 points, only one point behind uh, first place. So this has to be the closest uh, points race going on to the west side um, that we've ever seen before. I don't recall it being this close ever after two races. Uh, In third place is his teammate, U9 Beacon Plumbing, with 1,780 points. Fourth place is U40 Bucket List Racing with 1,718 points. In 5th place is U1 Home Street with 1,664 points. 6th place is U91 Goodman Real Estate with 1,070 points. 7th place is U3 Go3 Racing with 330. And then we'll put in the 440 Boitano Homes as 8th with 0 points, uh, even though they never started to heat, but they did make an appearance on the east side. So, really close points battle going down the last few races. Could it be the U11 Legend Yacht Transport getting their first high-point championship? Is Strong Racing going to make a claim for it? Will the 40 bucket list racing be able to repair in time and push their way back up there? They're only 600 points behind. Uh, Don't count out the Home Street. They're about 600, 700 points behind as well. Uh, They could be returning champs uh, for the high points. It'll be fun to see as this season finishes. All right. So a couple other things to look for here as we talk about these upcoming races. They're going to be in Tri-Cities in Seattle. And before I talk about that, if there's any other stat geeks out there, you got to go to the H1 Unlimited website. Uh, they have really stepped up their game uh, and their website, and it's fun to see all of the data sheets they have. They've been posting every single testing run, qualifying run, heat race, um, it's up there. You can see the PDFs. So you can see their lap times. You can see all the points accumulated. But the, the cool thing that they've done, which they've started to do in recent years, is they're showing all the dif- all the different. Is they're showing all the penalties. So all the penalties that have accrued over the first two races are up there. They give their reasoning and they also give their evidence. So this shows full transparency of why, how, and what they're calling. Which is, as a fan, awesome to know. Uh, You can get a little bit more insight to what goes behind the scenes there and understand why those penalties are called. And I know I've seen some chatter in Madison and chatter in Gunnersville from fans upset about calls being made or not made. But hopefully, if you're on one side or the other, it just gives you a little more clarity uh, on why why they're calling what they are. So that's what you want from an organization, that, that transparency to understand what's going on out there. So just amazing to see that happen. All right, out west, what are we going to look for? In Tri-Cities in Seattle, I am excited about the Gold Cup in Seattle. I can't wait for that. There'll be extra set of heats, more racing on the water in Seattle. It's going to be a rough course, so it's going to be fun to watch the drivers hang it, hanging it out. Um, but one, th- a couple things are going to be joining the circuit. Uh, the museum, they'll have their boats out in Tri-Cities in Seattle. It'll be fun to see the nostalgia on water. So we're going to have several boats that are getting prepared right now make the trek over to Tri-Cities, and they'll be in Seattle. Um, or we're going to have some different winners. It's, it's hard to say that they're, that the strong racing is going to be able to repeat their victories. you got to think someone else is going to win uh, in Tri-Cities in Seattle. It's going to be fun to see, but you really, can you predict who's going to win? With what we've seen so far the, with the parity of the boats that are on the water, it's too hard to predict. It'll be fun to see how that plays out. We're going to have some boats join the field. The U21 is going to join us at the Gold Cup in Seattle, so we'll have another boat there. The Go3 Racing will be in Tri-Cities uh, with their Spark partnership with uh, Griggs Ace Hardware. And uh, the 440 is going to be back. They're going to have their gearbox problems fixed. Boitano's Homes is backing them. They'll be in Tri-Cities in Seattle with Brent Hall behind the wheel. It'll be great to see Brent Hall get some laps around the course and get some experience in that 440. But we've got some damaged boats. I'm hoping that we can not have any damaged boats in Tri-City so we can go to that Gold Cup with a strong field of boats. But the 91, they've been working on getting that repaired. I'm hoping to see them at both those races. I want to see Andrew Tate behind the wheel once again out west uh, to see his bid for the gold. We're going to see... I'm hoping that the, the 40 Bucket List Racing can join us again and they can be repaired in time. It might be a tall order, but if there's any team that can pull it off, that's the team to do it. They've had experience last year to gel and work together and really make it happen week after week. So fingers crossed that they can be out there because that will be fun to see them um, make a bid for gold. And then the U27, don't forget about them. We haven't seen them in a few years. Actually, we haven't seen them since COVID. So U27, they're thrashing hard over there in Alabama. They're going to get that done. They're going to have it over in Tri-Cities in Seattle. They're talk, They're in primer right now, talking about paint this week. So it would be fun to have another boat on the water. And other rumors floating around about other boats possibly coming out? Maybe? I don't know. I don't want to fuel fire to those rumors, but I would love to see 10 boats in Tri-Cities. Can it happen? We had 8 in Alabama. Are we going to have 9, 10 more? I don't know. Rumors are going to fly, but hopefully we can see some announcements in the upcoming weeks from teams uh, that can really lay credit uh, to whether they'll be there or not in Tri-Cities. If you are able to be there in person, hopefully you got your tickets, got your plans made to go to Tri-Cities in Seattle because we're going to see some amazing shows on water. And if you're not there, make sure you're watching that H1 Unlimited stream online. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our episode. Make sure you come back next week to listen to our next episode. We release new episodes every Tuesday at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your podcast player, as well as rate and review your experience. For more updates on Hydro News, check us out on social media. We're on the major players Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ruchetel Talk is also online with our website, www.roostertailtalk.com. On the website, you can sign up for an email subscription list to get notifications on upcoming episodes, Hydro News, podcast updates, and much, much more. Finally... This is a free podcast to all of our listeners. And if you're really enjoying your experience and want to help us to continue to grow and expand, please donate. You can find a link to donate through PayPal on our website through the support tab. So until next time, I hope to see you at the races.